I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed, and joining me as ever is Mr. Marek Larwood. Hello, Marek. Thank you, Mr. David Reed. Thank you. It's the first time we've added a Mr. in front of my name. Have I? Yeah. Mr. Marek Larwood. Well, it's very formal today. It's almost as if... It feels as if we've had an argument and then we're, and you're trying to distance yourself from me. But that isn't the case, is it, Marek? No, it's not David. Right. Mr. David. <laughs> Mr. Marek. Uh, but this is a bit awkward after doing this because there's someone else in the room. Well, yeah, we were trying to be formal and, you know, polite and welcoming. A guest. Hello. <laughs> Hello. It's Garrett Millerick. Hello. How are you doing? Why don't I get a mister in front of my name? Sorry, mister. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Like kicked off as over-familiar. I think you make I'm a not, good doctor, I Garrett. I think you'd be a good doctor. I come from a long line of doctors, actually. Do you? Yeah, but I'm not um, very academic. Well, I'm quite lazy. So. Are they medical doctors or academic doctors? Uh, medical doctors. All medical. Mm. Actually, my cousin just got... Uh, he's now an academic doctor. Um, but yeah, I think me and my sister... And one other cousin, sort of the only people in the family who aren't doctors. So. Why weren't you tempted to get, follow your family into the trade? I, I did not have the grades. Oh, okay, <laughs> I didn't fair have enough. The grades. Um, not that I would, you know. So traditionally, you would have been sent into the priesthood, perhaps. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think which, that's how it worked. That, that is, it, is it doctor, priest, and ar- army? What's it? The, they used to be the three. Uh, yeah, no. It's I think army, army, army for the for the favourite son, and then uh, or maybe doctor first, then army, then priesthood for the uh, for the runt of the litter. I think gay one. Oh. oh, okay. Can you say that? Is that all right? I, I don't, don't think that's all right. That's not all right, is it? No, probably not. Well, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> so, Merrick, you went to um, a dark room, didn't you, this week? Yeah, I've been. I went to pictures. cinema. I went to, I, I went to the art house in Crouch End, which is becoming fast one of my favourite cinemas. It's only £7 a ticket, half the price of the Odeon. Yeah, yeah. Pretty good. It's Pretty not good. as good as the Peck and Plex. Peck and Plex is how much, though? I think when I lived in Peckham, it was like three pounds fifty on a Tuesday. You can't beat that. That's incredible. Yeah, you have to walk through a car park that absolutely reeks of wee to get there. Yeah, but and it's in the middle of Peckham, but it is a fantastic cinema, very cheap. I would rather pay. Th- I lived in Peckham for a while. I know that it's quite. It's <laughs> getting pay seven quid and not have to live in yeah. Peckham. That's fair. That is fair. Um, but uh, Peckham's getting nice now. Are there any films set in Peckham? I can only think of sitcoms. Super Bob, which is uh, what I talked about. Of course, Goldstein's yes. Film. That's why we talked Peckham. about Peckham recently. Yeah. Talked about Desmond. Um, so it's a, a British film. Really? They Good are for still you. making them British films. Was it? Was it Paddington? Uh, no, it's called X Plus Y. It's a story of 
an autistic sort of mass prodigy, uh, and his uh, he loses his, spoilers, but it's right at the start. He loses his um, father at the start of the, the film, and he enters. He finds gets a new teacher uh, to help to, to choose to help him to learn get better at maths. Almost like I need one to help me speak properly. But he gets a tutor to help him improve maths. And he enters the um, there's a competition like a like a maths Olympics thing they have every couple of years. And he enters that the maths Olympiad and goes off to Taiwan to help himself become one of the get on the Olympic maths team. Okay, right. is that the a maths thing? Olympics. Okay, maths okay. Olympics is a thing. Right. So this has got really really great British actors. Uh, yes, buddy, really good ones. Sally Hawkins plays his mum. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, Ray Spall plays his uh, the maths tutor. Very good. Uh, um, Eddie Marson plays the and the guy great. on the maths thing. Who's Eddie Marson? He reckon his face. He he's in everything. Villains. Right. He's. I'm getting his face up now. He is uh, that guy. Oh, he's that got guy. Quite yeah, wide, yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit like this a is pom- England and all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like yeah. a pomegranate. He, he's in uh, Vera Drake. Isn't right, he? I've not seen. He's him. got quite a wide, a very distinct face. You recognise his face. Um, so they're all in it, and the main um, actor who plays the autistic boy is Asa Butterfield, who you probably know best from Hugo. He's grown up now. He plays the boy. That's the boy from Hugo. Hugo, who's now. How long ago was Hugo? Hugo was 2011. Oh. And boy, do they grow up fast these days. See, they do, these children. So he plays this autistic boy um, who's the central character. Now, here's my problem with this film. No matter how good... I should say in the background that Buddy, who was for his birthday a couple of weeks ago, received a new toy, which is what, David? It's a squeaky soft whale that apparently squeaks too high for the human ear to hear. But that means that if uh, it is being picked up on the podcast and you're playing this over speakers, if your dog's now going crazy, that that's why. But those air sounds there, weren't, weren't someone breaking wind really, really... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was Buddy squeezing his non-sound-making toy. <laughs> Hey, you are a noisy one today. Joining in, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Um, so, yeah. It's, it's always odd doing this. Uh, it's difficult playing autistic parts for the main role of this kid. Yeah. I think this is, and I'm sorry for uh, listeners, no matter how good Teddy Hawkins is and all the other actors, the lead part, the performance is non existent. Really? Is it not strong? It's not even acting. Right. It's just frowning. And not saying anything. That is. A, so is he trying to do sort of an, an emotional? It's, an, it's a, a detachment. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's that he's detached and he can't speak to people. And I get the point. And I get a sensitive subject, but he doesn't do anything. You cannot have a lead character that just doesn't interact with other characters. Do you think after a while everyone's trying to be nice to him and he meets this sort of Chinese girl who likes him and meets this English girl who likes him and there's other boys that talk to him. But he doesn't do anything. Right. It's almost trying to act with a wall. Wow. Okay. It's t- he's so bad. Now, at, at the end, he sort of I'm finds trying to think. I'm trying to think of other examples of this because it, I think probably in the uh, history of cinema, maths prodigies are probably overrepresented. Yes, in terms yeah, of the number yeah. of stories it's, about it, it. The number, there are probably more films about maths prodigies than there are maths or, prodigies. Or t- autistic, uh, autistic sort of acting. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of like cinema, you know, 
you've got Dustin Hoffman is the quintessential yeah. portrayal of an autistic Rain person. Man, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rain Man. Who's re- seriously, you know, needs needs help. Yeah, Whereas yeah. then you've got uh, Matt Damon in the Goodwill Hunting, who is basically a he's, normal bloke. He's good at maths. <laughs> just yeah, he's a normal just, bloke. He's just good at maths. Yeah. Good at maths. He, you know, he, he apparently has some daddy issues, but they don't af- appear to affect There's him. There's a beautiful line. Um, Russell Crowe plays that sort of maths yeah. bloke who's mentor as well. Yeah, yeah. Basically, if you like maths... There's a fifty percent chance you'll get, <laughs> <laughs> or you'll get a film made. The right? Imitation Game recently isn't he supposed to be sort of a maths prodigy yeah, as well? Yeah, he's yeah, got, yeah, he can't. He's socially awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's incredible. There's no one who's good at maths who you can have a good chat with. No, I don't know anyone who's good at maths actually. There you go. <laughs> no. Let's not ever get anyone who likes maths on this podcast. No, they've all got proper jobs. Again. Well, the friends <laughs> sit around in the afternoon talking about The films. friend of mine who was uh, the best at maths at university, uh, who was studying maths, went into banking and uh, and uh, decided she didn't like it, so she now works in wine. So that's all right, isn't it? It's a waste um, of a good maths qualification. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Money, money's been, taxpayers' money has subsidised her maths education and now it's been thrown away on wine. But my point is that this is a fit. You know, we talk. If any of you seen Boyhood, I said the big problem yeah. with Boyhood was, and I could see what they cast this kid who's in 12 years of it, yeah. and I think he's the worst thing about it. He gets increasingly more boring. Well, it's it's always a gamble, isn't it? Yeah. They did it with the Harry Potter films, and they sort of lucked out, or you know, they they saw something in them. But um, there's there's one that just you feel for this poor actress who plays and I'm sorry if you're a massive Harry Potter fan and this is sacrilege but um, the girl who plays Ginny Weasley when they first cast her they just needed a small ginger girl because the books hadn't even said she was going to be relevant to the plot oh, yet God, right. and then she turns out to be Harry's love interest when she's a teenager and they did not look out with a with a charismatic actress yeah. well, they could have all. done an EastEnders on that you know when they have a child actually EastEnders yeah, and gets yeah. a certain age like that go on holiday yeah. and then get replaced by a professional actor like four weeks later or something. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah well they go on holiday as a baby and then they come back as sort of a 14 year old woman don't they yeah, yeah, after yeah. the holiday they must need to be kidnapped for at least nine months or hopping coma's a good one coma's a good one you yeah. come back with a new face yeah yeah um, well, it, well that's I, I'd say the character in Boyhood is one million times more charismatic than this portrayal it's impossible to create a film around a character who does not interact with people. Why do you think he's been cast? I mean... I think he's been cast because he's famous. It's really hard to get used to. Is he famous? I mean, people don't go, oh, we have to get the boys from Hugo. He's worked with Martin Scorsese. You think that's probably a good... It's a good bet, isn't it? I don't know whether whether it's him, and this is my... Or there's no room for him to do any acting or there's nothing for him to hold on or he to. could have just been told you know do nothing we'll do it all with the uh, reaction shots and everything he could have been directed poorly who directed this uh, they wrote they did it they wrote it, they wrote it and directed it uh, Morgan <laughs> Matthews <laughs> and James Graham I remember they did it both themselves they wrote it but it's it just feels like it's over familiar sort of the, you know you've got the prodigy you've got the sort of charismatic failed teacher character a bit like the Robin Williams yeah. character of Race Ball, another version of that. You've got the mother who can't relate to her son. You've got the, you know, dead dad sort of old child death that explains why he's acting a bit weird. Right. It just because we all become really good at maths when you know, our dad dies, don't we? Yes. Yeah. Race Ball at times we work. absorb his maths ability like a Highlander. You do that, yeah. You double basically you times everything by two. Yeah. You times so every time someone dies, you times your maths ability by two. <laughs> So right. my dad's an engineer. When he dies, I'll finally be able to do my tax return. That's right, he will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'll be amazing. 
Yeah. Yeah. So if a whole load of them die in one event, you'll just get a sudden boost of maths. That is incredible. Infinitely more employable. Yeah. And you can finally uh, join the Maths Olympics. Yeah. Which doesn't sound like... Is it in, a, is in an arena? Yeah, I've heard about this Maths thing. Do it's they wear outfits? They do have sort of team things. <laughs> like yeah. Team GB. They go to Cambridge and they go and do... On their medals. Yeah. It's a sad situation when you've got someone playing like the Chinese people and some of you think this is your second language and they are much more charismatic and better acting <laughs> than... But like, okay, so in this case, less isn't more... But would more have been awful? Like, if would it been a worse film if he'd gone completely the other end of the scale and over? Well, there's no, there's another character who is who is autistic because in the in the maths Olympiad, right? And the young boy that plays him does really really well, I think. And he's sort of much more clearly autistic, and he's quite verbal vocal, and he tries to sort of join in and make jokes, but can't do it. Okay. He's a far more interesting character. And what's interesting? Cause I I t- I do I teach. Um, uh, Especially he's an autistic adult for one afternoon a week at this centre. They're they're in their fifties and sixties, right? And they are some of the most uh, in hilarious, unintentionally hilarious, but really big characters. You know, that it's, it's almost saying I find a little bit insulting that because you're autistic, you have got no personality because you yeah, can't communicate. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. mean you just do. I'm. He's less than a character in iRobot. You know. He's less charismatic than one, of, not the main eye robot, but one of the other eye robots. You would have robot. thought if you were going to play uh, a very specific personality trait in a feature film, you would probably try and meet someone who had. We don't that, know that he didn't. Or, we well, well that, didn't. that's true. We I don't. just thought it, maybe it was a combination, whether it's bad acting, bad writing, or what they or what they thought someone who communicate, doesn't communicate means he's got no personality right until the end. But I'm really interested to hear what other people thought of this film because I thought. The central, and if there are any other films where the central character, I think Boyhood is a recent example which affected the film. Right. The central character or central performance was so bad that you cannot save the film. And I thought that this was the case here. But it's got a good rating. It's got like 7.5 on IMDb. People really liked it. I is, don't know what, is, I think they must be autistic. Is the X plus Y title, um, I mean, you're starting to worry me I'm that you work with autistic people and yet still use it as an insult for others but um, uh, is in a good one it came out like an insult but it was actually uh, really uh, positive ok cool you're um, being misled by my intonation <laughs> uh, is the X plus Y title cleverly alluding to being male as well is it anything no, to do no. with masculinity or well, anything not, not that I got alright oh, it's, it's literally just some maths Maybe I'm stupid, but it felt a bit cliched, and it felt like it wasn't. Uh, but it had good moments in it. And Race Boy, I couldn't work out whether I liked him, whether he was doing that whole um, Martin Freeman office acting. You know that. Yeah, I yeah. Mumble to myself a little bit, and do a bit of talking that he did at times, but he was quite funny other times. I just thought it was a bit of a waste, and I felt sorry for the. I felt sorry for the other actors. But I'm not. Re- I've not read anything or heard anything else about this film. Anyway, I give it uh, four Marricks. Four merits, okay. Okay. What, out of five? No, out of ten. Oh, okay, right, okay. <laughs> you thought he was quite confused, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or two out of five if you want. Okay. We always give things out of ten. We in do. In terms of and David's. I'm, I'm revealing the fact that despite being a guest in your podcast, I've never listened to <laughs> no, one, no one listens to No one listens to If, it. yeah, we don't. You don't know what a podcast is. No, that's fair enough. This is just a way of us, you know, getting out of the house. Yeah. 
I mean, we pretend it's up online and we have listeners, but this is just a box with a light bulb in it. There's nothing recording. And after you finish talking, we'll sort of lead you out a door, but it won't be a door. We're going to kill you. (laughs) I'm just delighted for the company. Oh, that's good. Um, It's the letter section. Okay. Yes. Well, that's X and Y. Who's written in? Who wants? Who wants our attention? Um, It's. I should not put a name. It's uh, it's Anne Anne from New York, uh, but she's written. Uh, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm just trying to move my. There we go. Here it is. Who's this? And it's in, in the voice in the voice of Chris Webb. Chris <laughs> Webb is our regular listener. <laughs> Don't we usually do New Zealand for Chris Webb, even yeah. though he just lives there? So it's not written. This is from Weeble NY, and this is from in the voice of Chris Webb, who is our regular contributor. Uh, Witter Digital. Okay. Hi, buddy. Can you pass this message on to David and Merrick? I was just thinking about Merrick's review of Still Alice, and it reminded me of when my dad died. My friends decided we should go to the movies to cheer up. We ended up seeing death at a funeral. Seriously? And I swear I almost vomited when the coffin was knocked over. Isn't this a cheery email? So, it made me wonder, what have been your worst time film viewings and your best timed film viewings? Just an idea for some idle film chat for the podcast. Thanks for watching the films. Uh, okay, so best timing and worst timing of going to the cinema to watch something. God, I'm trying to think if my life's been interesting enough to actually have, have a cinema viewing coincide with something that's going on. Still, I mean, that sounds horrendous. Yeah. I mean, those are some bad friends. Right there. Those are some really bad friends. You don't go and see death at a funeral just after someone's... Your friend's taking after you after a close family member's died. I mean, death at a funeral is double death film, isn't it? I mean, yeah. That's well, which version of death at a funeral was it, does he say? No, he doesn't say. I didn't... I haven't seen... See, there's, there's, so a, there's, there's, one, there's one that they made. There's a British one that Frank Oz did and... Then like a, it's it's really good, and then like a year later they remade it with an American cast. Like so there wasn't really any need to do, no, because um, you know it, it was it was not exactly uh, difficult for the American market. They're all speaking English. So it, it yeah, is it a knockabout comedy then? Is that it's, it's a farce? Yeah, right. it's like an eight-born play. So they knock oh, okay. over the coffin and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Basically, you know. the, there's yeah the dad dad dies, and then his ex-lover who happens to be a man shows up at the funeral and. It's all capers. Okay. So the actual dad dies in the film. Well, he's dead at the beginning of the film. And that's the film they took her along to see after. Yeah. So yeah. after after her dad died, they took her to a film about how funny it was. Someone's dad was dead. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's unbelievable. Much, I hope you're not still friends with these people. <laughs> yeah, these it's fairly rare as well these days to get a cinema that doesn't have at least two screens. Yeah, yeah. They go up the, to the ticket and be like, okay, oh, see something else. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I. What was, they the, used what was to, the other film that they chose not to go and see that would have been worse yeah. than Death at the Funeral? Yeah, it raises so many questions, doesn't it? I'm still, I, I want to know what version of it of Death at the Funeral because I haven't seen the American remake, which has got, I think, no, I think it's Chris Rock that's in it. Okay, and in the British I'm one, it was like Daisy Donovan. Oh. And oh, it's not the obvious, like for like. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I don't know. They're playing the same parts. No, it's it's. Um, I've forgotten his Peter name. Peter Dinklage, it says, is in it. Is in both of them, yeah. What? Yeah. He was in the remake was, of a film he was in? Yeah. Did, like he, a year did he get later. promoted to a better part? It was literally like a year later. No, same part. Um, wow. That is, that is, 
that must be unprecedented apart from no it must be like apart from you know Nicolas Cage being in both Ghost Rider and the reboot it's of three Ghost years Rider apart, yeah so Martin yeah. Lawrence is in it and Chris and Rock Ke- and yeah Peter Dinklage Danny Glover uh, Keith David who's the lead in the British one the lead in the British one is really good I saw that I might have just like overly fond memories of it. I saw it on an aeroplane. It's like one of those things where you don't have any choice. Yeah, yeah. You're watching it on like a three inch screen. Well, that's yeah, something I, really I was going to mention in terms of sort of inappropriate films. Might like be someone watching something in an aeroplane. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they used not, to sort. They used to sort of screen the films they were showing on planes for you know traumatic scenes or plane crashes specifically. And these days they don't seem to at all. Like I saw Man of Steel on a plane, and the number of uh, a lot of things. The number of the things that fall out the sky and smash into the ground and all of that it's, and, and it's dreadful it's, it's the, yeah. one of the most boring things I've ever seen Matthew yeah, McFadden was in yeah. he was really good uh, Ripper Street's Matthew McFadden yeah um, I can't find any other ones the only things I've saw that when I just watching obvious ones when you were alone when I was a kid watching Nightmare on Elm Street when my parents were out when, on a scary Halloween thing and they absolutely crept in my pants about it I watched Eyes Wide Shut with my mum. Oh no! Yeah. Oh, that's I watched. Um, <laughs> no, basic, no, I started no. watching Basic Instinct with my mum. Uh, but and you then stopped watching it, and we, she said, "I think this is a bit inappropriate." We stopped. It was horrible, horrible. How far through did you get? What yeah. scene did you stop at? Just sort of I was putting my trousers down. Uh, <laughs> I can't pulling them back up again. Start, she said, "This is a, a bit inappropriate." The start isn't there. I think when at, right at the start of it, I think they're having sex and she kills someone. So that was really awkward, and we thought maybe that was just that, and it was carried on being quite sexual. Yeah, yeah. It was really odd. I well, was it's about a 15. sex murderess, isn't it? Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> Don't watch that with your mum. I mean, I, I, I think it wasn't her idea to put it on. I can't remember. <laughs> anyway, okay. should we read another letter? Yeah, go on. Why don't you read this one? Okay. Uh, okay. Oh. Um, dear David Marrick, Buddy, and Chris Webb, if you read this up, <laughs> can you? Uh, I'm just my computer's being a dick today. Can you read it? Can you use a posh Jamaican accent? Okay. Posh Jamaican. Come on, mate. Yeah, yeah posh yeah, Jamaican. Po- Jamaican like that, isn't it? Yes. After your desperate plea for the emails. <laughs> that is I the t- poshest t- Jamaican I, I I've ever posh. It's impossible. That's why, isn't it? I thought I'd better get in touch. In, I recently, I recently saw him going to Yorkshire. You sound like a concussed Irish. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> I recently saw it. It follows, and it blew me away. I love you to review it for the show. The film's about a sexy transmitted demon that Lordy followed the latest person to be infected. It sounded quite silly, but it really creepy when I'd resorting to many quite, quite bang moments. <laughs> This accent is all over the place, isn't I it? I love it. The young cast are excellent, and the director, who also had the idea for the film, has created the best horror film I've seen in years. <laughs> Granted, I haven't seen The Babadook yet. Promise, he's written this as in, in English. He's not written this with a Jamaican... He's not written it phonetically, boy. Yeah. Phonetic emails. Yeah, prick. Well, he's, he's made the request. It was the least yeah. he could do. Yeah, yeah. The Carpenter-esque score, a terrific too. Before the film, he made something called The Myth of American Sleepover, which I haven't seen, but it's supposed to be a good coming-of-age story, so worth checking out. What are your favourite films that you found genuinely unsettling? 
28 days later, stay with me for a long time. As did... I'm changing it to myself. As did Blair Witch Project. Last year, so under the skin, with one scary but a very disconcerting atmosphere. I also saw David in the Twirly Woos last... last <laughs> you can't say Twirly Woos in Jamaican. Twirly Woos. Twirly Woos last week. And the sight of him in the towel is going to haunt me dreams for years. <laughs> Keep watching the films. Richard from Horsham. Thanks, Richard. Uh, beautiful voice. Uh, yes, I was in the Twirly Woos. Films that you found genuinely unsettling. Genuinely unsettling. I tell you what, I saw the Blair Witch Projects on Halloween night mm. uh, at midnight. And I walked back through a wooded area to my house. Oh, oh. And I still thought it was one of the most boring films I've ever seen in my life. I didn't. Everyone's. Everyone had told me it's half an hour. Half an hour afterwards, it'll hit you, and you just won't be able to sleep. He's like, yeah, no, nope, straight. Yeah, <laughs> no, nope, straight to bed. Straight to bed. No problems. Really dull. Really dull film. Um, ones that stayed with me: The Shining. I've mentioned it before, but I saw it when I was five years old, so it, it stayed with me for a long, old time. That one. Um, Every frame of it's burnt into my mind. <laughs> I can't sleep. I can't sleep. Uh, no, I mean, what? I mean, that is big shame. Big shame. I found out. Speaking of terrible Jamaican accent, um, I found out that. Uh, sorry, that just came complete out of nowhere came to mind. Um, you know, um, Hermes Conrad in Futurama, as in who who talks like that, man, all the time. Anyway, he. I found out the actor who plays him is. Marvin in Pulp Fiction. The guy who gets shot in the face. Oh. The young boy who gets shot in the face. That's I guess a little connection I found. Weird, huh? Anyway, unsettling films. Derek, do you have any? Uh, the one that strikes mine recently, although for a similar reason to David, is uh, Prometheus. Um, I was angry about that for like yeah, two months yeah. afterwards. The trailer promised so much. Everything about that. The trailer me. was incredible. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't it? it? Yeah, it was entertaining in a way that the film was was not. But yeah, yeah, it was so. It was so nearly not rubbish. Yeah, it was so nearly not rubbish. But it just made no sense. Yeah, it none make of any it. Sense. Um, I'm. I, are we looking forward to Neil Blomkamp doing an alien film? Why not? Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, he, I haven't seen Elysium that apparently isn't that great, and I haven't seen Chappie that's just come out. Chappie, Chappie. I am chippy. Uh, but I thought District 9 was so good that I'm willing to see it. Yeah, District 9 is amazing. And also, the other thing that District 9 is so good is it completely changes viewpoints like three times in the film and you don't mind. Mm. Yeah. Starts it off starts as a documentary, documentary and this... then it's like a chase film and then it's just a, an action film. Yeah, and yeah. And you, you don't care. You, you know? don't notice when it stops being a documentary either because no. you're into the story and the characters. They all feel very similar in terms of look. Like, at least it felt very similar like that grubby mm. sort of... Um, Technology that also feels like it might be in Chappie as well. Right. Yeah, District Nine's got that sort of. What's Elysium about? It's, it's the one Matt Damon's shaved head with a uh, a chem rail gun sort of mechanical he arm thing. A sort of, uh, he signs up to become this sort of trooper thing. I think he has to boy. invade. He has to sort of. Uh, no, he that. has to board sanctuary or whatever it's called. I'm but, thinking oh, of Oblivion, yeah. that Tom Cruise one. I think they're very the sim- same post. They're very similar sort of films, and there's also that weird Will Smith one is also very similar and boring. After bland sci-fi films. Yeah. Anyway, unsettling film, Marek. Anything I think I would say the same you? thing, but I think Threads is the most. Oh yeah, thing yeah, watch. yeah. Threads. Bloody hell, we talk about it a lot, but it is good. Ten Brillington Place. Have you ever seen that? Yes. That was 
really I've still not seen it I really want to it makes you Richard Actor is phenomenal in it and it really uh, you ever watch Psychoville yeah in one of the episodes in Psychoville Reese Shearsmith does an absolutely spot on uh, Richard Attenborough as Christian personality very very quiet yeah I think he changed the whole I think he that we talked about it before he must have influenced the Hopkins and Hannibal Lecter hmm yeah. In terms of how quiet he was and how d- d- an odd, the terrifyingly quiet serial killer. But the thing is, in Silence of the Lambs, not to get too far off topic, but in Silence of the Lambs, Hopkins is definitely playing a psychopath. You know, he's doing the starey eyes and the creepy voice. Yeah. And then. He's got that grill over his mouth. Yeah, yeah. And he's brilliant. Um, and then in Hannibal. He's decided to take it even further, and he's just playing Anthony Hopkins, who happens yeah, to kill people. And, but you know, he's just like, "Hello, yes, okie dokie, let's let's kill you now." It's just like, there's, there's no menace to it at all. You know, he's taking it too far. He's taking it. Yeah, because it's just so very silly. And they, yeah. He manages to make the thing. He's much scarier when he's behind bars in Silence yeah, of the Lambs. Yeah, yeah. And when he's at large in Hannibal, it's quite funny. Well, yeah, when he sort of disappears at the end of um, Silence... Is it Silence of the Lambs this happens, or is it Hannibal? Dressed as the man from Del Monte. That's yeah, in Silence of the Lambs. Lambs yeah. yeah, yeah, you kind of go, I sort of... I don't want to see Del Monte Hannibal. I don't want to see that no, chapter yeah. of his life. Well, you think that's a disguise. You don't think he actually would choose to dress like, like that. Like the man from Del Monte? Yeah, yeah. I think in the end of Silence of the Lambs you go, well, he's always doing that because there's no way he would choose... <laughs> As a cultured man, he'd choose to dress like some weird, yeah, man who goes around yeah, saying yes to oranges. That is his, uh, someone who's so into clothes. culture. Yeah, that's the clothes he choose. Anyway, we should move on to um, uh, the film that Garrett's brought in. Right. Yes. Would you like to tell us all about it, Garrett? What film did you choose? I chose uh, In Which We Serve, which is a, a film made in the Second World War by David Lean and Noel Coward. Which I actually I wrote my university dissertation on. That. Ah, so you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of facts. No, it was like twelve years ago, and I realised as I've not done any homework in the lead up to this podcast that probably I will, I've got a couple of sort of anecdotes about it, but they'll be wrong in crucial ways <laughs> that will annoy to like boiling point any film fans listening to this who know the you know that if someone just gets something. To be sick. honest, any of those film fans we have scared off long ago. <laughs> okay. Long ago, when we go, what's that? Was that Jodie Foster? Who or was that, 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 that was bloke Kelly in Moore? that the bloke in that was thing some, that did that thing? Oh, with the, yeah, yeah. oh, who is it? Um, uh, Tom Skerritt. Yeah, they've um, all they've all gone. So don't worry about that. So what yeah. what happened? Or tell us why it got why it got made. It's well, it was in the, it's in we. Um, so part of the reason I, I wrote my dissertation, I was I actually studied history and my and I was interested in film and my tutor uh, was writing a book on British films. And he kind of sort of questioned me about British film, and I knew nothing. And he was like, "No British people know anything about." So we used to make fantastic blockbusters. In the Second World War, we did make amazing uh, blockbusters, uh, and this was kind of yeah one of the best best ones. It was David Lean's uh, David Lean's first film because he was a um, he was an editor. He was an he? editor, yeah. So and from what I've read, my brief what I've read, yeah, Noel yeah. Coward. Uh, wanted somebody on board who could help him with sort of how films work. Indeed, so. yeah, yeah. And Noel Coward then got... So uh, Noel Coward sort of went to him... Because he turned down... David Lean had turned down the opportunity to direct films oh, right. for about ten years, and he was he was the world's sort of best-regarded editor. And at the time, in the 30s and stuff, they had... Um, 
quota quickies, you know, about all those where the government said that a certain number of films had to be British. Yeah. So they'd make really cheap films. And David Lean refused to make those, so he said, well, you know, nobody looks at a rubbish film and says, you know, the poor director only had three minutes to make it and 5p. So um, his time sort of came during the Second World War when the Ministry of Information was supporting, there was money around to make things. So, yeah, Coward went to him and said, you know, I'd like you to help me out with just the technical. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Lean held out and said he'd only do it if it was... The credit was directed by Noel Coward and, and David yes. Lee, not with or anything. Well, yes, because Coward wanted to say with help from. With David help from, yeah. yeah. And then Coward got bored, I think, about three weeks into filming. Because Lean was just supposed to be doing the action and stuff, and Coward was going to deal with the actors. Um, but yeah, Lean was so good at it, and Coward so disinterested in it, that he, he then stopped <laughs> showing up for stuff that he wasn't in. Just sort of left it with him. Right. And then they, they did a number of other films together, and yeah, they're all just directed by David Lean. And yeah. Noel Coward just went, yeah, no, nothing to do that. So for our listeners, why don't you give us a brief uh, synopsis of what this film is about? Well, it's basically, um, it's based on... Uh, a true story about Lord Mountbatten's ship, and I can't remember the name of the actual ship, but in the in the film it's the HMS Torin. Mm. Uh, which Wonderful is, name. It's very, very good Torin. name. Torin. And it gets sunk uh, in Crete in 1941. And um, it's basically the story of five or six sailors from the ship are all on a life raft, and it's all told through flashbacks and whatnot. So it starts off with the ship being built rather impressive like Destroyer it's being. great isn't it yeah, I yeah. love that bit of uh, actually I don't know why there's something hugely satisfying about seeing glowing hot rivets being hammered no, hard in. A bit. yeah <laughs> great well it makes it seem that, like there, there are really impressive action scenes in it and then you think oh yeah there was a war going on at the yeah, time it must yeah. have been quite easy to go out and get a shot of a I destroyer. was fascinated what they, how they yeah. got the footage but yeah, the fact that both it, sides yeah. were making movies like we've seen films before we watched um, I, I can't remember if you were hosting uh, when we watched this, but Munchausen, which is a, a film the Nazis made during the Second World War, right? And it's it's a phenomenal piece as well. It's the very idea that you know resources are being spent Just on making money movies. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it, it's not, in terms of being a pro, was it really seen as a pro, propaganda? Well, it's, all, quite, it's quite dark and quite bleak in places. But there's no one's uh, the, there's no moral there's no ambiguity about their purpose. It's just the fact that they've been hit. You know, m- m- war films often now are like, God, why are we even here? You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this that, because that would be very foolish. I think during the war to go well, pointless here, really. <laughs> you know? Well, you've got that thing with with war films where the you know Olivier made that version of Henry V, which you know, mm-hmm. cry God for Harry, and it's all very it's quite jingoistic in a way that I don't think this is. Um, it's quite yeah, it's quite brutal in places. Mm. You know, people die, and the ship. I, I believe that the the censor was sort of questioning: Does the ship have to sink? You know, because terribly bad morale for everybody yeah, yeah. in the cinema watching that. And they were like, they made the point saying that yes, it does have to sink. <laughs> you read that script and go, no, you reckon you'd, you'd be all right if it doesn't sink? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And no structural no, point in the film. Yeah, yeah, no one needs to die. And no one needs to die. Or you know, did you enjoy it? Yeah, I really liked it. It was so. Yeah, I was. Uh, it was a university teacher who gave me the DVD of it, and I went home and watched it immediately. I thought, oh, this is great, and then started watching lots of other British war films um, at the time. And yeah, when I said to you, I think the first film I said I talked about is Life and Death of Colonel Blimp. Fantastic! So you, you've already done that, haven't you? We haven't yeah. done it. Oh, done it talk about we, it. We've I've, talked about. I've I've talked I've about it, it because it, I I watched it and thought it was such a phenomenal piece of work. It, yeah. it it wasn't. You couldn't find it anywhere for a long, long time, and I saw it screened at uh, 
the cameo in Edinburgh, and I think they've done. I was there for that. Were you? Yeah, because that was that was uh, about three months after I finished my dissertation. Yeah, and got to go and watch it with Thelma Schoonmaker introducing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was great. It was fantastic. I'd never seen it before. I thought it was absolutely amazing that film. But um, yeah, this one. I mean, Noel Coward. Uh, from what I've read, the brief the brief stuff I've read about um, in which we serve is people were like, well, he can't make a war movie, you know, he's not, you know, a man's man sort of thing. And uh, But he really wanted to. He wanted to move away from comedies uh, set in, you know, opulent boudoirs where, mm. where there are no worries, really, and everything sort of uh, trivial life dramas of uh, the aristocracy. Um, and he decided he didn't want to do that because those boudoirs where there's no there's nothing really to worry about don't exist anymore because the world is at war mm-hmm. um, and so you know his performance is so literally I think the producer said it right it's uh, always interesting if not quite convincing <laughs> <laughs> he does I think, think he does it? a very good job you know He's, uh... there are parts where it was very very Noel Coward yes it? it's, it's you do there is somebody's that. been in my toilet um <laughs> Of course, and we just talked about him. Richard Attenborough makes his first, his very first, first. coward. Yeah. Coward leaves his post. Oh, is that Attenborough? Yeah. I didn't even yeah, know yeah, that. Yeah. His yeah. very first appearance in film. Wow. Fresh out, fresh out of he looked very skinny, didn't he? Yeah. Right yeah. Then um, I thought that the performance I thought was absolutely great, and probably the best bit of writing of it. I'm trying to find. It's a famous actress, and I'm trying to find her name. Who plays his wife? Yeah. She does her speech about how. Um, you know that she she love both loves his ship and it, the oh the navy a, wife yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the, the ship is the greatest her greatest rival and you know yeah. so I phenomenal piece of work. Um, oh, it's one hell of a cast, isn't it? So yeah. John Mills is in there as well. It's just a it's a big Celia Johnson. Celia Johnson, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a big wartime. Well, I've not, not really heard of this film before, and I thought it's it's a huge big blockbuster war blockbuster proper well, not government part, government government sponsors. funded yeah yeah. So it feels very. It's quite nice to watch a film that feels uh, like quintessentially British. Yeah. And be a blockbuster. Yeah. Which is the thing. There are loads of films from that period in the Second World War because they are British through and through, and they're proper big blockbusters. Um, is this well, where we get our idea? Are these sort of big statements how we get the idea of being British? Do they reinforce that thing? Is this film responsible for that sort of wartime, you know, yeah, tip yeah. up a lip thing? That's just no, no one, you know, the speech he gives that uh, when Richard Attenborough is a coward and everyone else at their post and their and that your the whole sentiment behind it is that your life, you're part of this cog and the in which we serve. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. And people just die. That's it. The way they look at death. There's a couple of scenes. I mean, you can't really get, you, can have, you can have spoilers in a film that's seventy years old. Yeah. yeah. When the when a sailor we win the war. <laughs> when this when this when the captain's wife dies, and the another uh, uh, John Mills goes up to him and says uh, has to say he's had a baby and feels it's the it, doctor's but, wife. Is it? the doctor? Yeah. 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 I mean, his reaction is so British. Yeah, yeah. I think I might just go up on deck and get some fresh air. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thanks Congratu- for telling me, old man. Congratulations <laughs> on having a baby. Uh, yeah. your, your wife and mother-in-law, mother have just died, but he still just... I think it's his mother-in-law, isn't it? Oh. Well, so still, that's probably why he's sort of bad. all right with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Be good and bad. Yeah, he's good and bad. I also have to say thank you for uh, recommending this because it made me... Um, 
seek out uh, interviews my brother did with my grandfather when my brother was 14 and my grandfather was still alive because my grandfather was a doctor in the Navy during the Second World War and uh, his ship was sunk, uh, the HMS Prince Leopold off off, uh, the coast, off uh, Bognor Regis. Um, and so I was like, yeah, you know what, I, I should actually probably track down what his stories were and all of this. So I, I found them, I found them eventually. And I, you know, listen to those, did you? Yeah, 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 oh, I great. did. There's, a, there's about an hour, an hour and a half's worth of those of my, uh, of my brother going, yeah, 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 over the top of my, my grandfather <laughs> telling his war stories. Put those on instead of this. Yeah, good you could put them in. Film Fandango <laughs> wartime stories. Yeah, yeah. There's a good little... Um, bit right at the beginning just after the ship gets made um, Noel Coward absolutely despised I think it was Lord Beaverbrook the owner of the of the Daily Express so just as the ship gets christened in the dock floating by there's a That's close up right. of the oh. newspaper saying no war this year which is Noel Coward going F you yeah. oh really yeah. oh, fascinating and they, 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 a bad that review. was their headline that was their though. headline yeah. it was a genuine newspaper but it was just his way I think he'd been given a bad review they had some long standing thing of him just going you know yeah. sticking two fingers up to him um, I mean, it's quite a long film, as I'd say. It's quite long. It's quite, well, they, you know, films very films black and white as well. It's too yeah, black and white. Really, for me. <laughs> really black and white. Uh, films have films have sped up a lot, you know, in seventy years or whatever. But I think it's great. I think they weren't really... expecting anyone to be on an iPad whilst watching That's it. That's very true. They're saying that you talk about action films, talk about how um, and recent war films. I was it's genuinely tense when they're you and when they're on the boat and you see the German planes coming over and they're trying to shoot them down. And it's quite basic. You missed Butterfingers. Yeah. Oh dear, I spoke too soon. <laughs> but you, I did actually feel, te- I think this is quite a rudimentary in the way it's some of the shots compared to today of the planes flying over. But there's something terrifying about it. Yeah. You should feel enthralled about that. And also the bit that really stuck with me is the, the ladies at the home when the air raid's going off and hear the bombs getting closer and they're trying to hide their panic. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating, Wonderful. Fascinating scenes of British resolve and that sort of, whether that's realistic or not yeah. or... It, times it would make by. quite a good companion piece, uh, you know, double bill wise, with uh, Das Boot, wouldn't it? You know, just because I think yeah. Das Boot probably. Uh, it, it, I remember watching saw das this Boot. film and sort of, you know, tr- well, ooh, what about the other side? I got really upset at the end of Das Boot, and my dad, I was watching it, and it came in the living room, and I was like, I said, oh, da, da. Sort of spoiler here, like, they sat the submarine, and dad, dad just looked at me really quizzically and went, what did you think was going to happen? They did lose the war. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I've been sitting here for three hours cheering the baddies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My granddad's ship sunk over uh, 80 80 U-boats and uh, German ships, apparently. Well, they used to uh, lay mines. So they were never there when the ships got stuck. They just go, oh, we got another one. Did you hear? Sneaky, chalk it up. Yeah, yeah. Well, in which we serve. Uh, Track it down. Um, It's on YouTube as well. Legally? Is it a legal copy? I don't know if it is or not. Okay. But if you want, it, I'm not saying it is, but it might be on YouTube. Okay. It's available on iTunes to rent for £2.49 or seven ninety nine to own. There you go. There you go. Um, well, in which we serve. Thank you for bringing that. Um, that's all for this week. Would you like to plug anything, Garrett, before we uh, say goodbye? No, I've got nothing to plug. What's your plug? Twitter thing? Have you got a Twitter handle? Yeah, well, I don't really use it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I just came here to talk about films. This wasn't about self-promotion at all. Come on, that's what the, how the world works these days. When do people send you a pound or whatever? Do I get any of that? No, no, no. 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 Okay. Get none of that. No, well, you, you will when we're in the black, you know. Okay. Um, but we've got a big old, uh, we can get big you old a co- debt hole. Coffee. Yeah, we got get you some coffee. Um, all right. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you very much for having me, <laughs> buddy. Say goodbye. And go and see Garrett in Ed- if you're going to the Edinburgh Festival. We're doing a show in Edinburgh. Aren't you? I am too. Yeah, come see me in Edinburgh. That's yeah. 
And and first, what's your show called? Do you know any of that? I was literally it? just having an argument with my producer before about I, I haven't decided yet, but it will be under my name. I also, okay, plug things. Uh, I run a show in King's Cross called the Schadenfreude Cabaret that you should come and see because it's good and it's got all sorts of different things on. And uh, you don't have to pay to get in, you have to pay what you want on the way out. And whereabouts in yeah. King's Cross is that? It's what? at the Harrison in King's Cross and it's uh, fortnightly on Friday nights. Great. Yeah, I thought it didn't have anything to plug. There you, you know, go. I go and see the his Edinburgh show as well. I don't know what what venue is that on. It's on at the Underbelly at twenty. I know that. Yeah, it's Underbelly twenty past nine in August. We'll see you there. There we go. There you go. We'll be back next week with more films. Keep, Keep watching, watching the films. films. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.